Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promised Land MU. We've just been through an international break. It is all finished. Rob, did you enjoy it? Or can I can I ask you another question? What do you do on international breaks? Do you use that as a, a detachment period from football or do you get right into it? Or well, sometimes I describe it as the international snooze. So I think with our work being so predominantly Manchester United focused, it gives us a little bit of an opportunity for downtime. I still work on England and the international games, but it's it's a very different environment. It's not nearly as fast paced, but it's always a nice thing that when the international break is over, that you can go back to club duties and start thinking about the things that are on your mind a lot more often than uh, than the three lions. Obviously not always positive, though. We will dig in today to some uh, developments over the international break. Rafa Varane's injury being one. He's out for a few weeks, as confirmed by the club. In positive news, um, Ronaldo scored a hat-trick uh, on Tuesday night against Luxembourg, I think it was, um, but taking his international total to 115 goals uh, in men's international football. By far and away, the leading scorer now, and that's only going to extend even further. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming run of games that Manchester United have as well. There's been a lot made of the fixtures that United have coming up, starting with Leicester away on Saturday, um, which isn't on TV, funnily enough. But we will uh, we'll dig into that a little bit and what it could mean for the weeks moving forward. We'll also talk about maybe a little bit about Harry Maguire, the fact that him and Rafa Varane could be missing the first choice centre-back partnership. What will that mean for United? 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about today uh, the next four to six or whatever Premier League games because United have a very difficult run, what results and performances mean. And there's also a bit of a dig into a recent interview that's been released uh, through Jesse Lingard, uh, a piece that he wrote for the Players' Tribune. Uh, we'll talk about that and sections of that a little bit. And Donny van der Beek, Juventus. we might touch on that at the end as well. Uh, remember, uh, I've already said this already, but follow us and subscribe to our show uh, and let's get on with it, Rob. So United visit Leicester City on Saturday uh, without Rafa Varane, probably without Harry Maguire as well, but it's the start of a difficult run of games. So I'll read it out for you. Um, Leicester away, Atalanta at home, Liverpool home, Spurs away, Atalanta away. Man City home, and then after the next international break, there's games with Watford, Villarreal, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So this is not the run of games that United had in the first period of the season. I don't think things went as well as most United fans were hoping, uh, performances-wise and results-wise, in the opening period of the season. United are not top of the Premier League, but they are in touch. But as we've touched on in previous weeks, we're, we're waiting to see more. We need to see better results, we need to see better performances and there's a point where it's starting to get concerning. But let's look at the Leicester match to start with. Will this set the tone for the weeks ahead? If, if the United go to Leicester and blow them away and win, take that confidence, will that set them up for the weeks ahead? Or is this just a... Do they just have to get through this game and take, it, take each game as it comes? And is if United end up losing at Leicester, how much pressure will be on Ollie? I think as it stands, United need to just get over this hurdle with Leicester first and foremost. The reason why I say that is that when with the opening matches of the season and the way the, the fixture list was set up for United, it, it gave them a good opportunity to play their way into form and not have too many issues in terms of opposition. But as we, as we all know now, that didn't really work out very well. And now United come to this kind of crossroads of fixtures with the Premier League and with the, the Champions League where defeats and draws will be met with more scorn and will also hurt the the campaign themselves to actually win a trophy. So I think Leicester, we know that they are a team that will fight for the top six this year, potentially the top four. They're very well organised themselves. They haven't had a great start to the season. But this is a really kind of sticky wicket for United, you know, to kind of take this game on. United have now got injuries. There are, you know, concerns about the selection. What can Ole do? The feeling around the football club maybe isn't as good as it was, say, four to six weeks ago. And fans are nervous. And I think they're rightfully nervous as it stands. Leicester haven't been in great form themselves in the opening period of the season. Perhaps we were expecting them to have started the season a little bit better. Uh, but they're a, they're a difficult outfit to go and play against. Uh, United got, I think it was last season, put out of the cup by Leicester convincingly. Uh, it's been a difficult ground to go to for a lot of teams. And this one is, for, for me, I'm just looking at it thinking, if they do end up coming out of this game empty-handed or with a performance that has mirrored previous performances in recent weeks, and this pressure could really ramp up on Oli, especially ahead of games against At Atalanta will be a difficult one. And then, you know, you're getting into your... A, a massive run of games with Liverpool Spurs and Man City in the Premier League before the next international break. Uh, we'll touch on the injuries. Let's have a look at the injuries. So Raphael Varane uh, pulled up with, a, I think it was a, either a thigh or a groin injury. Uh, it looked like a thigh when I was watching it, but I think it's been reported as a groin injury since. And 
he will miss a few weeks as confirmed by the club. Harry Maguire is still missing as well. And we'll wait and see uh, from Ollie's press conference on, on Friday, which I'm, I'm guessing it will be uh, his condition, but he's still expected to miss a few games. So we could see uh, the likes of Victor Lindelof and Eric Bailly lining up in the centre of defence for the games ahead and maybe even this weekend. Now, United have been trying to improve their defence massively with the signings of Maguire and Varane over the past few years. But now we're back to a point where we were a few years ago, where we're looking at a defensive pairing who have been judged not good enough. But United have invested well in their team and have a squad now that you would think should be able to deal with these rigours. So how much do you think, if it is by Ian Lindelof, how much will this change the way United play? I think it will not change how United play at all. It's just more about the moving components within the team. So as you highlighted there, you know, United had a good transfer window. You know, Ronaldo comes in, Sancho comes in, you sign Varane. But the performances have not been better. So there's a question mark there over Ole, the coaching staff and everything that's going on at Old Trafford. (sighs) Bailly and Lindelof have obviously been part of the same squad for a long time, but haven't really played that many games together. I think um, it was at the end of last season that they played one match together. And it was the first time they'd actually started for, for two years or something as a partnership. So there's a little bit of the unknown when it comes to that, about whether you're going to get a strong performance out of them. But it's a kind of wait and see scenario, because even though we've had Varane, and even though United have had Sancho, obviously not particularly participating as yet more on the bench and Ronaldo's come into the starting 11 the performances have been poor United are in still a good position in the league but I think it's early days so we don't need to kind of go too deep into that but when you play a team like Leicester who are highly organized highly motivated and they also know they can beat Manchester United I think that kind of adds to the mix it's a difficult scenario for Ole at least he knows that with the players that are coming in which we buy in Lindelof is that they are old war horses. They are they know the Solskjaer system. I don't think Ole's going to be trying to do anything particularly progressive in those games. And it might allow United to just play more on the counter attack. I think United will sit deeper. That kind of suits what United have in their pocket. And it, it might take some of the responsibility away from the manager as well to play a style that fans are begging to see at the moment. Because you can always say in your press conferences, I've got injuries. So I think that's the way it will go. It's an important game because United need to win every match now. If you want to be a title contender, if you want to be up there at the end of the season, three points every week is a must. There's no kind of hiccups. You can't get away with just saying, I've got an injury here and there, so we, we didn't win a match. And Leicester are direct competitors for that top four berth. So it's important we see a really, really good performance. Can I just ask your thoughts on Eric Bai? Because I absolutely love him <laughs> uh like unapologetically i just love him i love watching him play he's not always uh doesn't always make the wisest decisions but i just love the way that he does play perhaps he's he's not the right person for a united center back slot but he's always, always had so many problems with injuries that he's never really had that run of games uh to seal his position apart from the very beginning where he looked just to cut above everybody else uh he started very well but he's lost his way a little bit and you know, he's been linked with moves away a few times uh, and now he's fallen down the pecking order. What do you think of him, Rob? Uh, he's a strange case because when he came from Villarreal, he, he had a good mix of kind of physical prowess and skills on the deck. 
And we saw immediately that that physical prowess, what he could do in the Premier League. We saw obviously his pace, his coverage, and that he wasn't scared of a tackle. But we didn't really see any of the technicality that you need from a modern centre-back. And I think that's kind of where I stand on it, Scott, is that, you know, is he good enough for Manchester United? I think he's fine as a as a bench option. You know, if you've got an injury, you bring him in. I, you know, if, if this is the centre-back partnership for United, say, for the next six weeks, say the worst-case scenario is that Maguire doesn't come back sooner than we think, and that the groin injury that was confirmed by United is, say, a four- to six-week issue for Varane, then do I feel confident in Eric Bailly to kind of do the job? Unfortunately, the answer to that is no, and that's made on on what I've seen of him in the time he's been at Manchester United. I think he has qualities, but I don't quite think he's a Champions League standard defender. Just uh, just looking ahead to the Leicester game uh, in isolation a little bit, we talked about the defence. You'd obviously expect uh, your usual uh, fullbacks and goalkeeper to be in there, but what, what are you hoping to see further forward? Uh, there's a lot of options there. Uh, Ronaldo's still in scoring form, but we've talked about well, he scored for Portugal, but we've talked about the potential problems that playing him can have on the team. Uh, and there's a lot of options. There's Jesse Lingard, who's pushing for a place. There's other players. There's Marcus Rashford's injury, uh, which he seems to have recovered from now as well. Uh, and I've kind of overlooked that a little bit. Let's let's talk about Marcus Rashford, I think. Would you expect him to come back in straight away? I think he'll probably be on the bench for Leicester. That's, that's partly some of the whispers that are coming out of Old Trafford. Um, I do think that when Marcus is fully fit, he'll be back in the starting eleven. Uh, why is that? It's because Ole trusts him. I've talked about this quite a bit in the past. Is that Ole goes for players that he trusts, not necessarily always the best technical option at times, but just someone that he thinks will get the job done on the day. And I think Marcus, you know, we're hearing that he feels really, really good about his own fitness and form now as when he's come back from this injury. Uh, he's talked a lot about how he was dogged by kind of the issues last season, even though he still statistically had a really good campaign. You know, he, he got plenty of goals and assists. But I think he feels that there's another level for him to go on to. And this is where Ole now needs to find a way between Marcus, between Jaden, between Mason, between Bruno and between Cristiano. He needs to find a way of having uh, an attack which is both aggressive that gets the job done, that allows United to move up the table and retain that position without the hiccups that we have seen. Um, and this adds to the bigger question about coaching and about whether Ole is the right guy for this, because now Ole has some really big personalities in that attack. Maybe he hasn't had those over the two or three years before, certainly since Romelu Lukaku left the football club. And that balance should be there now. We should be seeing what they're doing on the training pitch more on the football pitch. It's not quite happening. As you said there, Ronaldo still scoring goals. I think that was his 10th international hat-trick, which is an amazing statistic. That boy's not lost it in terms of putting the ball in the net. It's just about everything else we talked about, obviously, in our previous episode, about how do you mesh Ronaldo into the attack? How does it make how does it make everyone else better? Because we're not seeing that either. So Mark is going to be a really, really important cornerstone for United's title challenge this year if it, if it materialises. Um, but... Ole has to find immediate answers. And that is difficult when players are injured and you're having to kind of shuffle the pack. Yeah. Uh, if you have not listened to our episode on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, it was it was mainly about Ronaldo and uh, is he a problem, I think was the title of the episode. Last time out, go back and listen to it. It's, it's pretty relevant. And I think it'd be pretty relevant going forward. 
a good discussion about that and United have to work that out. We also touched on there, Rob, uh, the coaching and the pressure on Ollie. Now, there's been uh, revelations this week from uh, The Athletic around the notion that senior players want more in-depth, elite-level coaching. And the current level of coaching has been described as school mastery. Now, interesting. Uh, there's been murmurs of this in, in the fan base. Why aren't we seeing this? Why aren't we so seeing these patterns of play? Why aren't we seeing that? The coaching isn't up to the same levels as Liverpool and Manchester City and Chelsea. Fans do want to see maybe a little bit more of a sophisticated style of play from United. And reports like this aren't going to help uh, Ollie and his crew, are they? Uh, what, what do you make of that? Um, I think one of the things that we've heard from the players over the last 12 months is that they've really enjoyed the training. So the reports that have surfaced obviously this week around it from the Athletic are, are contrary to maybe some of the direct stuff that the players have said. But I also don't disbelieve it because United did say at the start of the season that they wanted to play more of a 4-3-3 style. That came straight from the manager and his team, um, that they wanted to try that more and more. You've seen in transition that United have maybe started games 4-2-3-1 and gone moved to a 4-3-3 within the game and then quickly switched back. So it always seems like it's a, a hesitant kind of tactic and something that maybe they're not, they don't have the confidence from the training pitch onto, again, to put onto the football pitch. So I think this leads to a kind of bigger question for the fan base about whether Ole is the right guy for the job, because we know that Solskjaer is a, maybe an old school manager in the sense that he is control of, in control of the team, but he does delegate his coaching duties to, to some of his staff. Uh, that's well known, and he doesn't hide that at all. But do you need now to take this collective of United players to the next level? So we're saying title contenders. Is that really what Solskjaer can do? The next few weeks will answer that question because I think we do need to see a more progressive style of football. Uh, as I hinted just a minute ago, it's difficult. When you lose someone like Varane for maybe four weeks, five weeks, then you're not going to play the style of football you want to play. You're going to have to go backwards a little bit to go forwards. And the most important thing for United here now of this first set of results that we've had this season is to keep winning, to stay at the top. So... I think we'll see 4-2-3-1. I think we'll see a double pivot. I think we'll see plenty of Fred and McTominay. And I think we'll see plenty of the Manchester United fan base get irate and upset week to week to week. If results maintain, I think Ole will be okay. But we need to see more. There's no doubt about it. I think we're at crossroads here with it. You know, I've, I've said that word already twice now. I think we, we're at a point where we need to see more from United's team. We cannot be a team that's just about Cristiano Ronaldo's goals and that's it because we've already seen that that doesn't particularly work. So just a reminder, we already touched on uh, the uh, run of games that United have coming up. It's Leicester, Atalanta, Liverpool, Spurs, Atalanta again, Man City, Watford, Villarreal, Chelsea and Arsenal post-international break. Now, there's four games in the league, Leicester, Liverpool, Spurs and Manchester City before we go away uh, for the next uh, sleeping break from, from club football. We talked about results there. How many, I'm going to put you on the spot, Rob. How many league points does Ollie need in these next four games to relieve the pressure on himself? Or does it depend on what other clubs are doing? It does depend on what other clubs are doing. And it also does depend on performances because I said, this is the, the difference now from maybe this season to the previous or the season before that is that you can get away with 
kind of tossing along, pepping the balloon up, keeping yourself, you know, somewhere in the top four, keeping people happy. But that's not good enough anymore. You know, United are now at the point where they have to win every week. So you said they're what they need in those four games. They need four wins. That's how it is. You know, this is the standard. If Manchester United want to be the team that they believe they are and that even the ownership believes they are, you know, we talk a lot about what the Glazers want from United and how they, they see the football club. Well, they've just put an extra million pound worth of wages on the wage bill per week. Yeah, not, not a year, per week. And they want results. They want to win. And they want to win because that makes them more money. So that's the remit for Ole. That's the agenda. He has to find ways to win. And I don't think he's this season it's going to wash if you lose games because you've got injuries. Previous years, it's a valid excuse, certainly while you're building. United do have a stronger squad now. It's just about whether that squad is round enough to, for, for players just to kind of jump in and out to maintain results. This is the question you said about Eric Bailly, about Victor Lindelof. It's not that they're poor players. It's just that whether they can maintain that top four standard all the way through when you're expecting, say, Varane and Maguire to do that. But yet there have still been issues in the defence at the start of this season, certainly with conceding goals, that hasn't been reflected in, say, more clean sheets. You know, David De Gea has played brilliantly at the start of the season. He's saved United a lot. We've not really seen that from the centre-backs. So there's opportunity within that negativity as well there. You know, you could find that in those four games that Lindelof and Bay play really well, help United on to four victories. But that is the standard, Scott. You know, there's no more now getting away from, well, it was this reason, it was that reason. It's kind of similar for Mourinho in year three. You know, when Mourinho had that year two, he then obviously went into a mode of saying, I didn't get my signings, I didn't get my signings, a little bit of a, a cry in press conferences completely. And then what do we have? We had poor results and the manager was gone in double quick time, even though he signed a very big contract not so long ago. So Ole is treading water a little bit and we need to see it on the football pitch. Yeah, we do indeed. I, I did want to touch on a point you made earlier, how even with the different uh, centre-back pairing in there, you would expect United to maybe sit back a little bit more and be confident in the fact that they can actually absorb pressure and hit teams on the break, which... In the past, I mean, United's record against Leicester is, doesn't strike me as brilliant, but they have had positive... They've beaten Liverpool, albeit in the Cup, and they have drawn with them at home a couple of times. Uh, Spurs, it was a good win there last season, albeit under a different manager. And Man City have, looking, looking further ahead, Man City have come to Old Trafford numerous times in the last few years and seen... Not even at the Etihad as well, United seem to have done a job on them a few times uh, by, you know keeping wingers high, being brave uh, and managing to hit them on the counter-attack and taking wins. Now, uh, some of the wins that they've managed against City have been in different fashions, but Oli has shown at times that he is able to get results in these games. Now, a lot of the criticism has been levelled at United and Oli and in complete fairness that they need to start working out how to beat teams that they're expected to beat. And they haven't really shown that in the last few weeks or in the start of the season that they have turned that corner. I know they have different faces in the squad and that kind of thing. But when Ollie's been under pressure in, in past moments, he has, even in big games, he has seemed to get results a little bit. So I'm, I'm looking at this now and I'm thinking, I've watched Ollie's United for about three years or however long it's been, thinking, oh, well, he's close here. He, he's... <laughs> he's under a lot of pressure and then he's managed to pull it out of the bag. Is there a, do you have a specific gut feeling on, on this run of games ahead? Do you, do you feel like it'll go any other way? Because 
I've spoken to a lot of fans of other clubs and they're, they're thinking, well, that's a difficult run of games you got coming up there. But seeing it in United, it's, it's, it's been quite difficult to predict them. But if, it, if I've learned anything about Ollie's United team, it's when the chips are down that they start to tend to perform. So how do you feel about... Do you, are you looking at these games with a fear or are you just having an expectation or do you think they've got something up their sleeve? Personally, as a United fan, I'm looking at them with fear. So, you know, I look at these these matches and coming into this run of fixtures, I wanted to see the team obviously produce a much higher standard of football than we have seen. So that doesn't fill me with confidence. But you're absolutely right. I think with Ole, you know, he's a man manager. He's really good at getting inside his players' heads and producing a siege mentality. A little bit like Fergie used to in that sense, where, where he sells his vision to the players and the players kind of go out there go up a gear and find a way to win. So these next four matches, if United win them all 1-0 and they're all a little bit grubby and grimy and not the best football ever, then that's kind of okay. It gets you to the next phase of fixtures and you feel good about yourself. But, and this is where the big but is, I think in terms of this project, it's stalling. I think when you've bought the three players that you've bought and you do that to improve the tactical acumen within the team, the things that you can do, the way you can win football matches. You need to see something from the manager and from the coaching staff that helps you go on and become a better team. So in the past when, so let's let's take it this way. We always talk about Liverpool and City. I think they're always the best examples. Last year, Liverpool had injuries. It ruined their campaign. But I think you see them now. They've rebuilt within their tactical mould. They know what they're doing. They've got the players back. They're back to being a dangerous team. City themselves have had seasons where you know, I think the season before last where where when they didn't win the title, they lost nine matches that season across all competitions. That was more than Manchester United lost. However, they still had a tactical identity. We need to now see this, I think, from Ole and the boys that 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 we've we've hit a point where United are going to put their foot on the accelerator and become a proper football team. And what I mean by that is a team that doesn't just talk about titles, but really does genuinely contend. But game to game, Scott, you know, we need to see it match to match. We can't see this dysfunctional Jacqueline Hyde Manchester United that we've seen far too often. And I, uh, you know, eventually Ollie's going to get found out. You know, it's either going to get to a point where the magic trick doesn't work again, that you can't produce results out of bad performances. And when that happens, you tend to lose your job. Or, and this is the fingers crossed part, we see that the standard in, in the the shape on the pitch improves dramatically. United find a way to unlock Jaden Sancho. I think that's a that's a key part of all of this. That Marcus comes back into the team and provides goals and assists, and that there is some chemistry between Bruno and Fernandez and Cristiano Ronaldo that currently does not really exist. So they are big key questions for United's success in the weeks ahead. And it's a smaller sample size. And I would like to say, I'd like to say, let's see how it goes this year, this season. And that's what we should be kind of talking about. I actually think it's going to be weeks. I think Ole's got maybe until December, November, December, to prove that this team is ticking for him and it's rocking and that they're finding ways to win and doing it through good football. If that does not happen, then I do fear for his position. I mean, it is certainly a massive test. It, I, I don't really remember runs of, of games like this coming up that are quite as challenging as this one has been uh, in, a, in a sense of the quality of the teams that United are coming up against uh, in the league, especially. Uh, if, uh, if you're listening to us, 
remember, you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land MU on Twitter. Let us know how you think Manchester United will fare in the next few weeks, uh, up until the next international break. How long do you think Ollie's got? What does he have to do to uh, retain his job? Does he have to win all of these games? Get in touch with us and let us know. And we've had some nice feedback over the last uh, few weeks about uh, people discovering the show. uh, And thanks. Keep them coming. Get in touch with us. Let us know uh, how you feel United will do. And we'll switch our attention now to... Uh, a piece Jesse Lingard has wrote for the Players' Tribune, which has uh, been shared. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. It's been shared on Wednesday. Uh, and he's talked about a variety of things. He's talked about uh, issues about him rediscovering his, or not having the confidence uh, and not feeling like himself, uh, has, as he's touched on in the past. Uh, how West Ham and that loan spell helped him out, helped him get out of, uh, or rediscover himself and what it means for his United future, because he's currently out of contract at the end of this season. Uh, He's not, as it stands, forced his way into the team uh, on a permanent basis. And he's touched on uh, in this piece, which I'll I'll read an extract from now, all about that. So what you saw at West Ham, this is what uh, Jesse Lingard said, what you saw at West Ham was the player I can be, or I can be, when everything is coming together. Let's say it was an upgraded version of the old Jesse Lingard, Jesse 2.0. When I came back to United, I felt like a different person. I'm more mature, more confident, and I'm taking more responsibility. To be fair, I've got to credit David Moyes and the West Ham lads for that. I've been so excited about this season, talking about United. It might sound like a funny thing to say when you've been at a club all your life, but I have really wanted to show people what I can do. You do know what I mean? I do want to be the player who I don't want to be the player who does well for just a few weeks or months. I want to show how many goals and assists I can get over 30 plus games. Now, it remains to be seen if he will seal his place every week in the Manchester United team. Uh, He has not had his chances so far, but when he has played, he seemed to have played well. He's contributed. He scored a big winning goal at West Ham. Uh, He's made a key contribution in the Ronaldo winner against Villarreal when United were really poor um, for the majority of the game. As it stands, he's not made a decision on his future. I'm not sure where United stand with this either. Uh, But he is out of contract in a few months' time. So it's it's nice to read this piece uh, from Lingard. If you want to, uh, I'm sure he will have posted it. We're we're speaking ahead of time here, but I'm sure he would have posted it if you want to read the piece in full. It's over on the Players' Tribune, which is under the Minute Media umbrella, just like 90 Minutes. Uh, So visit that site and visit us as well uh, and keep listening. But where do you see uh, Jesse Lingard's future going Rob you know he's touched on it there I don't want to be a player who does well for just a few weeks or months I want to show how many goals and assists I can get over 30 plus games now that indicates to me that he wants to play all the time there's so much competition for places at United that it doesn't seem like he will get that at Old Trafford does it I don't think he'll get it at Old Trafford unless there's injuries I think that's the kind of the be all and end all of it there's no doubt that Jesse Lingard is a very good player. He proved that last season at West Ham. He showed that when he's the man, when he's the guy being the the fulcrum of the attack, the guy that everything goes through, that he can get goals and assists. He is a Premier League player who can operate in the top seven or eight clubs. Manchester United are one of those clubs. But again, it goes back to the point of what do you want to do as a football team? Are you there to make up the numbers or are you there to win the title? 
I think Jesse is an important part of the squad for this season. I think when you look at the shape of it, like we just talked about the attack before, you know, you've got Mason, you've got Jaden, you've got Marcus, Bruno, and you've got Cristiano. It's a difficult gig to get in amongst that lot. But Jesse has shown with his numbers already that even the kind of small amount of time that he's been on a football pitch, that he gets returns. You know, his statistics are really, really good. And I think, again, he's a player that Ole trusts. I think Ole looks at him. Ole understands that the Jesse's United fan is that he um, he's kind of built into the fabric of the football club. He's one of those types of players and that he can rely on him. But does that mean that Jesse Lingard plays more games and Jesse Lingard signs a new contract? I think the answer to that is no. Um, the West Ham spell for him was really important in terms of his mental health and having a different challenge. So, you know, it's well reported, obviously, what happened uh, in his personal life off the football pitch. And that certainly affected him with his United career and his training and being at, say, the top level, lost his England place. But now he's back in the England squad. He's back in the United squad. It's just about where the ceiling lies. And I think if you ask most United fans, and this is maybe the maybe the more populist United fans on Twitter, they would probably like to see Jesse moved on in favour of a bigger name or someone who has a bigger skill set. Uh, I, I respect Jesse. I think he's a really, really good footballer. And I think that he will have an impact this season, certainly if United have injuries. But I don't really see him kind of nudging his way ahead of, say, Marcus or even Bruno Fernandes, because they're the two players that he needs to assert to actually play more minutes. There's a there's a, also a nice section in the in his place for the players tribune. Uh, just touching on the West Ham form, he scored nine times in 16 Premier League games, won the goal and player of the month awards in April, and really rediscovered himself. He also spoke about or wrote about. I even remember Bruno Fernandez coming to me before a game and saying, "Today I want to see the Jesse Lingard that I know." All I could think was, "Mate, I can't because this is not me." Uh, even when he went on loan to West Ham, Lingard mentioned that Bruno got in touch with him and was constantly championing him uh, throughout that loan spell. And he said, after that, the Premier League awards, Bruno referred to me as the best player in the Premier League in an interview with United. Me. Can you believe that? That's coming from Bruno. I've got a lo lot of love for Bruno. He was dropping me messages of support throughout my loan. To get that recognition from someone at his level was just amazing. So that's, that's a very nice... Uh, it shows Bruno's impact, right? And it shows the respect that uh, he commands in the United dressing room and has given all he's, all he's done for United in such a short, short space of time. Uh, I think we all just want to see wherever Jesse Lingard goes, him to repeat the form that he was, uh, he, he managed to capture at West Ham, right? Personally for him, of course, you know, we want to, you know, see Jesse do well and to be happy and to find himself within his career as a footballer and you know everyone you know people inside the game outside the game suffer with mental health problems and it's not new and we talk about it a lot now but I think in terms of Manchester United and how he can have an impact on the team it's now fight it's for Ole to find the kind of answer to these conundrums because they just say no it's good that that I think the players have good relationships at United. I think, you know, Jesse and Bruno is a, is a good example of uh, Bruno was tweeting quite a bit uh, in social media last season about when, when Jesse was scoring and was clearly supportive. Um, you don't normally see that, you know, if a player leaves a football club, you know, players tend to kind of go a little bit quiet and not talk about it publicly. But, but Bruno is very public about what he said about Jesse. But does it mean that Jesse is still the answer to what United need at the moment? I think, unfortunately, the answer to that is no. 
but it's all there to play for. You know, there will be injuries in the weeks ahead. We don't know what's going to happen with Bruno. He might end up sustaining injury. And that means that Lingard will get a really good run of games. And I think that's maybe where the make or break will come. If he gets the run that he desires, then he might be able to prove himself to United fans that he can run the attack with Ronaldo in front of him. I think Jesse and Ronaldo have good chemistry. I think when we see that together, that there is an appreciation of the, each other's games. And that, I think, works better than what we've seen with Bruno and Ronaldo at the moment. So that's a little bit of a quirk and maybe a little bit of a sidestep for the tactics for Ole. I don't think that's something he can exploit too much. But it might be something that just unfolds if United do have injuries to key players. Yeah, as a reminder, just go across to the Players' Tribune and have a read of that Jesse Lingard piece. It's really good. Uh, you mentioned that Lingard might be the one to step in if Bruno gets injured or whatever. But uh, we... we do have in the notes, Donny van der Beek, <laughs> almost the forgotten man, uh, has been linked with uh, Juventus. He's been linked with a host of clubs over the last few months. There's been an interview from Danny Blint over the last week or so about, I think, about this. Uh, there's been somebody else actually called out Oli for lying to him. I can't, the, the name of the person who uh, who said that escapes me now. It probably came from TalkSport somewhere, I'd imagine. But, um, Donny van der Beek. Now, we've seen him on the bench, throw his chewing gum down, throw his bib, expecting him to kind of get involved in games in all competitions, not only Champions League, Premier League, but he's had his chance in certain games which are not that important. But he's visibly frustrated, Donny van der Beek. And we're coming up to a run of games now where you're just looking at if, if he's not getting in the team in the run of games that United have just had, where does he fit in? Like, do, is there weight to these links to Juventus? Do, could you see him leaving in January? I think Manchester United didn't want to sell him in the summer. They made that crystal clear when Everton came knocking and there was a deal on the, on the table really for the player. Uh, and the reasons for that was exactly what you've just said there. Ole did say quite publicly that he wanted to keep the player. The player was going to get minutes and was going to get opportunities. That was reiterated to Donny and to his agent, and they both repeated that themselves in the press. I think what we've seen is that Manchester United, or in terms of this coaching staff, do not particularly have much interest in Donny van der Beek. You know, it's almost like Donny van der Who. You know, it's it's he's anonymous at United, and and I think that's a shame. But I always do kind of dial these things back to the training pitch. Is that if the manager sees what he wants to see from a player on a training pitch? then the player plays. That's how it works. You don't get away with it by not producing it behind the scenes and then kind of just stepping into the team. Now, I think Donny last year, there were times when he came into the team and it was quite clear that he wasn't ready from, from the stuff that he was doing on a football pitch. But we've heard a much more positive spin from Olaine from United about the player in the last few weeks, but he's not playing still. So it, it kind of points towards either two things. One, that he can't still do the job that Ole wants and it is all spin and we have to wait until he leaves the football club for him to actually play on a football pitch again. Or it, it might well just be the case that Ole has different plans. Now we talk about the, the pivot quite a bit, don't we? With McTominay and Fred and where should Pogba play? We've just talked about Jesse Lingard who's in that conversation as well. It really just feels that Donny van der Beek is about to become history rather than a current talking point for Manchester United. Um, Juventus are knocking on the door. There are clubs that all want Donny. You know, he's a he's a good player. It's just, again, whether he is a player that keeps you either in the top four 
or he gives you a title challenge. And I think maybe that's where the issue is with him. Is that do I see him as a player that could fit into City or Liverpool's team at the moment or what we've seen? The answer to that is no. If that's the case, then do you admit you've made a mistake, sell him and find a player that fits your system or what you want to do? I think that is the more likely outcome. There's talk today about Nindidi. United are now stepping up their interest in more defensive-minded midfielders again. This is something United fans have begged for for the last 12 months. I've kind of counterpointed it by saying United need more of a box-to-box or someone who can do a little bit of everything. But I think maybe what we're coming to is the conclusion that Donny van der Beek is not the answer for Manchester United's midfield. It's a big shame because he came in, it was... Actually, it actually looked quite like quite good business. I mean, the the transfer was done like that pretty quickly. Uh, he came in for a decent fee, recommended. You know, Edwin van der Sar works at Ajax. There was a lot of. Uh, in, it was quite impressive how United managed to pull off a transfer relatively quickly, given the transfer sagas that they'd had for the likes of Harry Maguire, Jaden Sancho, and those people in the past. It was a, it, it seemed a bit different, but he's come in. I think I just checked his uh, statistics. He's played six Premier League minutes so far, 90 minutes in the EFL Cup and 45 minutes in the Champions League so far this season and nothing else. So uh, where do you stand on it, Rob? Just just before we uh, just before we wrap up, have, have you seen anything in those? I, I can't do quick maths, but uh, in those minutes, have you seen anything different from Donny this season that perhaps he wasn't showing last season or is his absence justified in your eyes? Six minutes is nothing, is it? That's six minutes more than you and me this season. That's all it is. You know, so you can't really do a lot in six minutes. But, you know, we've seen that, that Donnie has physically bulked up, that, that there's been some agenda behind the scenes to get him more Premier League ready. And that's understandable. But Donny van der Beek is more of a technical player, you know, a number 10 who can operate as a number eight. But United need a number six. So I think this is kind of more what it's about. I think with, with Ole and Donny, is that it's it's important to highlight that Donny van der Beek was an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signing. This was not a, a kind of by committee signing. It was a player that, that Ole wanted. And the reason for that was that Ole was trying to play 4-3-3. He wanted players to come to the football club that could help him play a more progressive system. Now, that didn't happen last year. And there were reasons why that didn't happen. And, and I think ultimately, this is kind of where maybe it sits on Solskjaer's lap a little bit more, is that the board authorised that signing for Ole, and Ole has basically wasted 30 million quid on a player he's not even used. So that will not sit well with the board and with the directors of football and obviously the new system at United, the structure behind the scenes, because Ole has to fix that. And that's something the board will be saying to him. But... I don't think Ole is going to play Donny van der Beek if he thinks it's going to make him lose matches. And you can you can put a player in cotton wool and mothballs for long periods of time. And hopefully then when things go wrong, if you get injuries or something like that, you can bring a player in and you suddenly look like a genius as a manager. But I don't think that's going to be the case with Donny. I think he needs he needs games. He needs to go somewhere and play. I think Everton would have been a good fit for him. I think Juventus is a good fit for him. He should be a decent fit for Manchester United, but unfortunately the tactics do not allow him to go and play the game he plays. Um, if he sticks around long enough and Paul Pogba leaves the football club, he might get more minutes. But I think it's obvious that he's not Paul Pogba. So, you know, if you lose Pogba, you've got to go and find a midfielder that does more Pogba-type things and not Donny van der Beek things. I think it's unfortunate. 
I, I was really happy that he came to the football club. I think he's a stylistically a really good player, but he, we haven't seen enough from him in the Premier League, certainly last season, to say for sure that he's the right answer for Manchester United's midfield. Just a reminder, get in touch with us on anything that we've talked about in this show today. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And uh, let us know, do you think Johnny van der Beek has a future at Manchester United? What points total do you think will keep Oli in a job over the next few weeks? How will United manage with Rafa Varane and potentially Harry Maguire missing extended periods of time as well? Uh, and what are your expectations for the Leicester fixture coming up on Saturday? Rob, thank you so much. Uh, it's always fun to do these. So um, I hope you're well and uh, I hope you have a nice week ahead. And thank you guys for listening as well. Uh, remember to subscribe and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.